camera, I'd just like to read a few verses. While you're just setting up to do that, I greet you in the name of the Lord and thank you for that invitation to be with you today. Uh, and you are precious people. Yeah, Alita and I have such warm and fond memories of being with you over a number of the, the last five or so years uh, and um, at various times and very much consider that uh, a spiritual home to us, a place of great friendships, a place where we respect your leaders and your people and uh, just so confident that God's hand is upon you in a real way. Luke chapter 17, and I'm starting to read at verse 11, and this is a, an, an account of uh, something that happened in the life of Jesus. Last week, of course, was Easter, and uh, in these verses, we read what happened to Jesus as he was heading towards Jerusalem for the final time. So these, uh, this narrative is a part of the story of Jesus heading to Jerusalem, knowing that in his immediate future was a time of great anguish in Gethsemane, a time of arrest, betrayal, trial, execution, and resurrection, a time of great trial, and Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem when this event took place. So it's verse 11, Luke chapter 17, and I'm just reading quickly now. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, their leprosy disappeared. It's been said already by Pastor Pat, there's miracles available for the God who provides. This is not a book of history. This is a book of patterns. It's a book where God shows us how he works and he works miracles goes on one of them when he saw that he was healed came back to Jesus shouting praise God I'm healed he fell face down on the ground at Jesus feet thanking him for what he had done this man was a Samaritan Jesus said didn't I heal 10 of you where are the other nine does only this foreigner return to give glory to God and Jesus said to the man stand up and go your faith has made you whole it's a, it's a very interesting verse, and I won't spend a set of verses, I won't spend a lot of time on it, just to share a few thoughts this morning. So, as I said, the, these words are describing Jesus' uh, progress, the progress of his journey back towards Jerusalem, knowing that all of those things that we celebrate at Easter are, are waiting for him. And he passes through a certain area of land where there is what we might call ethnic, even racial conflict. It's the land of Galilee and the border area with Samaria. Now, we know enough. We don't know anything by any means, everything by any means, but we know enough to know that the Jews and Samaritans were people that had constant, deep conflict. This was more than tension. This was a deep, uh, deeply embedded conflict, one people group against another. It was very much like the world that we live in now, where one group of people, one ethnic group of people, felt themselves to be superior to others. 
And it was into this context that Jesus deliberately came. The next thing we see in this particular story is that into this area of ethnic conflict, Jesus entered, but he also found that there were 10 lepers who, by the culture and convention of the day, were excluded from the normal uh, avenues of, of life, separated from work, from family, from income, from everything that they would prize and hold precious, those avenues were cut off by disease. Leprosy is a disease largely healed in our world in the 21st century, but in those days it was the means of separation as people were cut off because of a disease that they did not understand as we did today. Jesus came into a place of ethnic tension and a place of disease. These 10 people cried out to Jesus saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. So here we, kind of, here we, we find three things. We find the ethnic tension, we find disease, and we find distress. Could I say to you that these words were written over 2,000 years ago, mm. but they are very okay. much the, an illustration of what's happening in our world today. We have the ethnic issues that take place around the world. Not only is it an issue, as it sometimes is in a Western world, sometimes there's tension between tribes, tensions between cultures, tensions between language groups or religious groups, any way, even genders, there are, there are tensions that take place between people and they inevitably cause distress. They cause distress also because overlaid against this, in this particular instance, is this disease that's taking place. People facing a future where they can't see a way forward. Their disease has separated them. Their disease has separated them from everything they've known and loved, everything that they call a part of a valued life, and it has been removed from them. And so, of course, there is distress. Note that Jesus enters into this area with great deliberation, great intentionality. It is the purpose of God to position Jesus in a place where a normal person an average person, even a reasonable person, would take measures to avoid. But see, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to position his son into a place of deep and dire need. Can I say to you today, also, it's the intention of God to place his church in the same place, in the same position. Why? Because the church is the body of Christ. And everything that Jesus did has been vested into his body, the church, and the body of Christ carries the mission and the ministry of Jesus into the world Amen. today. It's interesting to see what happened when Jesus encountered these 10 lepers in this area of Galilee and the border area with Samaria. Jesus says to these people, go and show yourself to the priest. In the book of Leviticus, there's a remedy for people who are separated from society. They would go and show themselves to the, the priest. The priest would examine them uh, ceremonially, he would examine them literally. And uh, if they were indeed clean, they could be returned to society. Jesus called upon that convention and sent them to show themselves. 
And Luke says in, 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 in verse 14, as they were going, they were healed, as they were going. Here's the principle of faith at work. Faith is something that all of us live with day by day. And faith is always premised upon the foundation of God's word. Faith is different from presumption. And faith is not just what we wish would happen, but it's built upon the word of God. And our faith is our response to what God has said. Now, Jesus, as the son of God, said, go, show yourself to the priest. They went and as they were going, they were healed. Think about that for a moment. While they stood there before Jesus, the son of God, they were lepers. They stood there before Jesus, close enough to touch him, yet they were lepers. You see, faith requires action. This is not faith without action. This is the action that is their response to the spoken word of God. And they turned and started to walk. By the time they got to the end of their journey, that is to the temple to show themselves to the priests, they were healed. Somewhere in that journey, somewhere as they took one step after another, from the place where Jesus sent them to the place they arrived, they were healed somewhere in that journey. Now, if they'd have waited to be healed before they went, they would still be lepers. You see, their obedience was the of faith. Obedience is a step of faith. Indeed, it's the first step. Can I just say to you quickly, there are three other steps that I think are really important. So the word of God, we, we talk about this miracle or any other miracle, and inevitably there is faith involved in accessing that miracle, in realising that miracle. Faith is not just our wishful thinking. It is, uh, it is our response to the word of God. God has said something, and how we respond to what God has said determines the extent to which we draw that miracle or that blessing, whatever it may be, into our lives. So the first thing is obedience, obedience. The second thing is trust, trust. We trust God that he is as good as his word. We obey his word, but in the process of obeying, we are trusting that what God has spoken will be realized, actualized in our lives. Third thing, bring his word to us. We honour our pastors like Pat, Pat and Sean. We honour our leader. The fourth one that I mentioned here is expectation. So we, we have this expectation. If we pray for sick people, we don't expect them to stay sick. We expect that something will take place in the experience of their life that's born in them by the merger of their faith and our faith that will access the, the acceleration of God's word uh, that will show itself in answered prayer. So their faith worked as they went. When they stood before Jesus, they were lepers. When they went to the temple and showed themselves to the priests, they were whole. Faith, uh, faith is based on truth, and that faith activates and accelerates a response from heaven. Faith, could I say, is action. Faith requires action. Sometimes in our 21st century, we, we pretend that we are so cool 
that everything happens on the inside. Mm. Everything just kind of happens inwardly and we don't need to show anything. But that's not biblical faith. Faith does something about the truth mm. that it has received. It, it goes in obedience to show itself. It goes into the river to wash. Whatever the story that we might refer to in the scripture, there is an action that is required that demonstrates that faith is more than just a mental assent or acceptance of a truth. There is actually the positioning ourselves in such a way we'll step into what God has for us. So God speaks, we respond, and then God responds to our response. What an incredible thing. Everything starts with God. He speaks. He gives us the word. We hang on to that word. We build a response on that word. And on the basis of that response, God responds even further. In that story, one of the interesting things is that of the ten, one comes back. And he realizes in the journey that his skin is now different. Perhaps he looked at his hand or his arm or some other visible part of his skin and he can see the leprosy that was present before is not present now. So he comes back to Jesus and he comes with this great song of thanks. Praise God, I'm healed. He fell down and uh, at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Jesus said, what, weren't there 10 of you? Where's the other nine? And it was to this man, if we read on to the end, as we did earlier, that Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. I want to suggest to you there's a difference between being healed and being whole. See, ten men were healed, but of the ten, only one, Jesus said, was whole. I wonder what's the difference between being healed and being whole? Well, I think there is a difference. I, I don't think Jesus said, where are the other 10? Because he needed the applause or he needed the thanks. But Jesus understood something about thanks. He, stood under, he, he understood something about power of thanksgiving. I, I guess most of us are familiar with the Psalms and there's a Psalm I'm going to just read a part of to you now. It's uh, a Psalm that you'll know. It's a Psalm that you'll know very and it's Psalm 100, and it says this, I will enter his gates with, with praise. Give thanks unto See, Jesus knew that there is a pathway into the presence of God, and it starts with thanksgiving. It starts with thanksgiving. And from thanksgiving, we go from there to praise into that place of the immediate and very presence of God. And if we are not thankful in life, as the first stepping stone into the presence of God, well, we can't take the rest of the journey. And Jesus understood this was not about just being thanked out of politeness. He understood the power of this journey and the inability of those who are thankful. I'm sorry, the inability of those who are not thankful to take the rest of that journey into the presence of God. Were those guys healed? Absolutely. They were healed. They were healed they were healed, but only one was made whole. And what's the difference? Nine received that healing and went their way rejoicing, no doubt. But one came back because he, he recognised there was something more than just receiving. There was, there was an obligation, a responsibility to come and to give. And wholeness is 
the ability of a person who's received to then continue in maturity to start to express and give thanks. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, we see something more about thanks. It says this, this is Paul writing to the church of, of, in Thessalonica. He said, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you. So if you want to know God's will for your life, well, start at this, give thanks in everything. Now, it's not for everything because there are some things that are, uh, are difficult and things that are, God will use to, to develop our maturity and test and try and purge and purify and so on. But in everything, learn to give thanks. This is one of the hallmarks of the mature believer that we are thankful to God in every circumstance of life. We're thankful because God is at work. We're thankful because Jehovah Jireh is with us. We're thankful for God that he will never put such a weight of temptation and trial upon us that we cannot bear it. There will always be a way of escape and a way of uh, walking, uh, walking through. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says this, and he's He's speaking, it's a, it's a very powerful chapter, very confronting chapter. And it's a chapter where God speaks to all of humankind. And he speaks to all humanity and says, well, God has revealed himself. Creator revealed through creation. And then he says this in verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks. So here is this description of this this almost this, this prophetic chapter if you like where Paul is speaking and looking at people of various kinds but particularly at the end of the age where we live and he's saying that there will be people who refuse to honor God nor do they thank him but they become futile in their minds and in their senseless hearts become darkened and see one of these stepping stones to this place of Futility and darkness is the refusal to honour God and to give him thanks. We might think thanks is just polite. Well, I guess at one level it is, but it's much more than that. It's, it's actually a stepping stone. Thanks is the stepping stone to fruitfulness. It's a stepping stone that recognises that we are dependent on each other. We are dependent on God and we are in that place of recognising that, that incredible interdependence and dependence that we have, dependence on God and interdependence that we have with each other. That, in effect, is the opposite of independence. And what the enemy wants to do is to isolate us in a place of independence and like some animal in Africa that's set upon uh, when it's alone, it is there the prey of some greater beast that can come and uh, settle upon it. So let me say it again. The absence of thanksgiving is the beginning of futility. And so we want to be people who recognise that there is great power in the expression of thanks, moving from thanks to praise, into worship, into the very presence of God. That's, that's what Jesus understood that this one man of the ten got and the others didn't. It was this understanding that there is receiving 
and then there is receiving, but turning then to give is what Jesus declared to behold. So people who have received, God bless them, we've all received, but the mature go on to become givers. Mm. There's a verse in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul is talking to the church about our responsibility to live out mature lives, the incredible blessing that, that the Easter story brings to us, produces a response in us, and the response in us is that we will walk worthy to the call that God has given to us. In verse 28, he says, those of you that used to steal, well, don't steal anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, we would be content with that. We used to be thieves, now we're not, but, but Paul is not. He says, but rather let that person give. Uh-huh. Let that person give. Ephesians 4, 28, those that steal, steal no more, but rather give. He's talking to us that it's not just that you stop stealing, it's not that you just become this kind of passive person who doesn't do wrong, but that you actually start to give. You start then to to sow into the lives of others. You start to contribute into the world around you. You start to exercise the gifts that God has given to you and the ministries that he's given to you. You're not just a passive receiver, but that you are an active contributor. This is what it is to be whole. To be whole is not perfect. It's not it's not so perfect that nothing ever sticks to you, but it's it's recognizing that in our imperfection, in our growing maturity, we are both receivers, thank God for that, also learning to give in a consistent, mature and permanent way. The thanksgiving that I mentioned that I've been talking about, it's the first step that positions us as whole people. So that wholeness that we aspire to, that we love and that we long for, thanksgiving is the stepping stone, the first step on that journey towards us. And it's there that we cease to become independent, but we are dependent upon each other, interdependent with each other and totally dependent upon God. It's that we are humble. This is an important stepping stone, humble people, people who live in humility, people who live with appreciation, who thank those who serve, and all of those that serve in in the house of God, those that serve from the platform in a visible way, those that serve in ways that are behind the scenes and perhaps less visible. We ought to cultivate a spirit of thankfulness so that we are appreciative of those who serve so that the church can work, those that serve your coffee, those that serve in a, in a place where you may be, those that do things around your home or whatever it may be, cultivate a spirit of thankfulness because then you're not just receiving, you are giving in the way that God intends and there's a respectability and a respectfulness in that. You know, there, there are two extremes and thankfulness illustrates where we want to position ourselves as whole people. The the opposite of that humility, the opposite that is expressed in a spirit of thanks is the spirit of arrogance. It's the the other end of the scale. It's arrogance which carries with it the spirit of entitlement. I don't need to thank you. you. You should do that for me. I'm kind of better than you. You need to do that for me. That's not the spirit of Christ. And what we as the church want to carry, not only in the church but in the world, is the spirit of Christ that indeed that spirit of Christ that we carry as the church will indeed change the world. When that's coupled with grace, 
with humility, with signs and wonders and miracles, then the world around us begins to change. In James chapter 4, James writes this, he gives us greater grace. And uh, then he quotes from the Old Testament, God is opposed to the proud. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we carry that spirit of entitlement, it actually says here, God resists us. God pushes us, as it were, at arm's length. It's not that he doesn't stop, uh, doesn't stop loving us, but God, we have positioned ourselves in a way that God's arm is at length uh, for us. But humility causes God to draw us near with, with fer- that, that unmerited favour favor that was spoken of before. Well, the ten, every one of them with their need, every one of them was healed. Praise God for healing. Praise God he is the God that heals. Old Testament, New Testament, 21st century, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. God heals. Jesus is the healer. Praise God for that. And many of us, if not all of us, have received something of God's healing touch down through our lives. But of all of those that were healed, only one was declared to be whole. And I want to encourage you today to pursue this wholeness. If you have a need in your body, if you have a need in your finances, your mind or any other part, your family, your relationships, by all means, come as a a recipient to receive by faith. But recognise that having received, we want to then go on in maturity to give and we give thanks to God. We start to worship and magnify him and we start to express that uh, around us as well. Wholeness takes us towards other levels of maturity, which is the intention of God, that we will grow up. We will grow up into Christ. We'll grow up with each other and that as a company of people, we'll grow up in maturity and carry a mature expression of the body of Christ, the ministry of Christ into our world. And may it be that as as our lockdown period starts to move towards its end and the future begins to open up, that we, the church, are never just defined by our building. We are never even contained in a meeting, as wonderful as meetings are. But the church continues to be as Christ in the world. Not only all of us together, but each of us will carry Christ in our world in a way that will reveal him in Ireland or wherever it is that you are. In the 21st century, just as Jesus walked around Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Israel, Galilee, Samaria, all of those places uh, 21 centuries ago. May it be that we are those who have this testimony, we have been healed, and we are on this journey towards wholeness. Well, I hope that's an encouragement to you. God bless you. It's so good to see many of you on the screen now, little postage-sized stamp. People, I just love to lick the back of you, stick you on a stamp and send you somewhere, maybe to Australia. You can come and visit with me and we can have a good time together. Well, God bless you. So good to see you.